So, good morning to you all. Good morning, Ronnie. Greetings in Jesus' name. Um, I hope you've been ministered to as we were singing. If you came in feeling defeated, feeling low, feeling depressed, if there is anything sitting over you, I hope you have banished that in Jesus' name and you've leaned on him because we have an enemy. And we're going to consider that this morning. I wanted to find something positive um, to put as a title because I like positivity and I like faith, but I've chosen to stay with the word that came first of all into my mind. And so this word is entitled The Destroyer. The Destroyer. One who comes to, to destroy. You know, it's all right to destroy. It's all right to destroy as long as you're destroying the right thing in order to establish something better, then that's okay. But the enemy of our souls comes simply to destroy. And that's not good. That's not good. So I want you to turn with me to Revelation chapter 9. And right away you'll say, what about chapter 8? There isn't time to go into chapter 8 here, but Thursday... Digging deeper, YouTube, Harvest, Church, Croydon, you will get the whole thing. You will not understand Revelation from the Sunday preaches. Hopefully you will be inspired by them, but you will not learn all the things there are to learn in Revelation unless you dig deeper. And we're coming in on Revelation chapter 9, verse 1. The fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. The star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. When he opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like the smoke from a gigantic furnace. The sun and sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss. And out of the smoke, locusts came down upon the earth and were given power like that of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were not given power to kill them, but only to torture them for five months. And the agony they suffered was like that of a sting of a scorpion when it strikes a man. During those days, men will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will elude them. The locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. On their heads, they wore something like crowns of gold. And their faces resembled human faces. Their hair was like women's hair and their teeth were like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron and the sound of their wings was like the thundering of many horses and chariots rushing into battle. They had tails 
and stings like scorpions, and in their tails they had the power to torment people for five months. And they had as king over them the angel of the abyss, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek is Apollyon. Father, would you give us, by your Holy Spirit, some revelation into this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we're getting into deep waters here now, aren't we? And it's all a bit scary. And you say, well, as I've said to you before, Pastor, I'd rather read other bits of the Bible. Do you remember it said right at the beginning, if you read this book, you're blessed. If you listen to it, you're blessed. If you put it into practice, you're blessed. So we can't afford to lose out here. But there's something awesome going on. The seven trumpets that we're hitting on now follow on from the seven seals. When we opened six of the seven seals, we saw a violent earth and we saw plagues and earthquakes and all sorts of nasties happening. And on the, uh, one of the ones that we looked at, we saw that the believers were going to be sealed by the Holy Spirit. The Bible called them the 144,000 in chapter 7. But if you went into your digging deeper, you'll see that this is the church. And the church is sealed. You are sealed from all that's going on. And when the seventh seal was opened, instead of the end, seven trumpets came out. So the seventh seal kicks off another cycle of seven trumpets and the seven trumpets take the seals a bit further, a bit stronger, but much stronger. And I'll go into that in digging deeper, but chapter nine of Revelation, the fifth trumpet takes us into a dimension we haven't been before. It answers the question, why is there so much rubbish going on in the world? Now, there are several answers to this. Um, why is it that bad things are happening? Uh, we can go back to the fall. We can go back to the choice that our forefather made when Adam sinned in the garden. We can see the sovereign work of God in his judgment and in his wrath. We can also see the salvation history of God at work. But here is our dimension in chapter 9 we haven't come across yet. I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. If I took you back to Genesis Chapter 3, you would read this. Now the serpent. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you mustn't eat from any tree in the garden? There's a snake in the garden. And Revelation 20 says the snake is the dragon. He's the ancient serpent 
He's the devil, he's Satan, and he's in the garden. How did he get there? What's he doing there? I was reading through Job this week. I love Job. I can't wait until God speaks because we get about 35 chapters of Job's opinion on what's going on and his comforter's opinion about what's going on. And then finally, God speaks and he says, were you there? Right at the beginning, were you there? when I formed the earth. Do you know how to put the oceans in their place? Do you know where I keep the hailstones? Do you know where I store the lightning? I love the passage on the ostrich. He says, consider the ostrich. It hasn't been endowed with much sense. I love that. I haven't endowed the ostrich with much sense. It lays its egg and it leaves its egg sitting out and other ostriches can trample it and whatever. But, but, when it runs, wow, it can beat a horse when it runs. Were you there? Were you there? And there's a, there's a verse that's relevant in Job 38, 7. Were you there while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? So there we are right at the very beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and he said, let there be light. And the angels went, wow, that's amazing. And they burst into song. And then on the next day, he separated the light from the darkness and he called this out the, the, the dry land and he brings the animals out and the angels are going, wow, God, wow, wow, were you there? When the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy, including Satan. The whole angelic host are singing together. So why is there a snake in the garden? I'll just read you through two scriptures. One is taken from Ezekiel 28. You were the model of perfection, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. You were in Eden the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you, ruby, topaz, emerald, chrysolite, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and beryl. Your settings and mountings were made of gold on the day you were created. They were prepared. You were anointed as a guardian cherub for so I ordained you you were on the holy mount of God you walked among the fiery stones you were blameless in your ways 
from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade you were filled with violence and you sinned, so I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God and I expelled you, O guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I saw Satan fall from heaven, says Jesus. What's gone wrong? Isaiah 14 explains it a little bit more. How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, now get this, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high God. But you've been brought down to the grave, to the depths of the pit. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? It's clear in the midst of Ezekiel and Isaiah that these, these prophecies, they reach out beyond the immediate context into that spiritual realm with the devil himself. When Jesus was here, the 72 that he had sent out returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Hallelujah. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Nothing will harm you. There it is in the Gospels. Here it is in Revelation. You have been sealed. None of the enemy's works can touch you. So, having fallen from heaven, what are the consequences? Just go back to my chapter. What are the consequences? I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. They had as king over them the angel of the abyss, verse 11, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon and in Greek is Apollyon, that is the destroyer. Who is the angel of the abyss? Who is the destroyer? Who is the one who is in charge of these scorpions coming out? Satan himself. What is the abyss? I'm reminded of Luke chapter 8, 
the story of the demoniac called Legion. Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him and they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. The abyss is the place, I don't know much about it, but it's a place in the spiritual realms where God puts the demonic forces, where he holds them there at bay at various times and in various situations. And these demons that were possessing legion said to Jesus, don't cast us into the abyss. We don't like it. We don't like it in there. Don't put us in there, into the abyss. And in Revelation 9, they've come out. They've been released. Satan has been released and all the powers of darkness with him and they're at work in the world now. The conqueror on the white horse is going out to conquer in the power of the gospel. All of us as the church are being faithful to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. But we minister into a world that is seriously infected by the devil and his angels. It's so serious that the world laughs at it. It's one of the most powerful thing, things that Satan can do to convince people that he doesn't exist. Then he can do his work. And the scorpions, do you notice uh, John is having difficulty in describing them. Uh, they're like this and they're kind of like that and they're like this. But if you look in chapter four, uh, sorry, in verse four of chapter nine, they're not about destroying grass and earth and plants. Uh, that's already at work in other trumpets and in other seals. But the purpose of the powers of darkness is to hold men and women in their grip, to sting them, to bring pain to them, bring torture to them. I think particularly, um, and I have to be careful here in what I say, but I think of those who are tortured in and of themselves, tortured in their spirits, tortured in their emotions. You know, um, today, probably as never before, the doctor is there handing out pills to everyone that can't cope with life. And I don't want for a moment to suggest that there's anything wrong in instinctively with getting medical treatments for medical conditions but it does raise the question why in this amazing world that we live in with all the progress that we have the scientific progress and all of that why is it that so many men and women cannot find peace why can they not sleep at night 
Why are they so worried, so anxious? Why is their own self-esteem so important? Trying to discover who you really are. Because Satan is at work. And he was given power to sting them for five months. Five months? Somebody can probably come up with some significance in five months. When I go into digging deeper, I'll consult the commentaries first and see if there's anything significant. But what I take from it is this, for a period of time. It's limited. How much he is able to do and for how long he is able to do it is limited. But hey, it's only the unsealed that the devil can attack. We have complete control over the devil in our lives. We'll see that in a moment. We have complete control over the work of Satan in our lives. So how do we deal with the destroyer this morning? Very simple. We resist him. We resist him in Jesus' name. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in your faith. He's looking for someone to devour. Resist him and he will go. Resist him and he will flee. Stand up to him and he will go. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So there's two scriptures that promise if you resist him, he will flee from you. Now, how do you resist him? And there we go. And I'm not going to turn to it because the verses are so famous. I'm thinking of Ephesians 6 and the armor of God. How do we resist him? We resist Satan in two ways. Firstly, we stand. We stand our ground. Have you ever been in a field of cows? Cows are docile at the best of times. But I've been in a field of cows where they have come as a herd to me. And if you run, they'll chase you. Uh, and they, I don't know whether they attempt to knock you over. I'm not talking about a bull. If there's a bull, you get out of the field. But if you're a cows, <laughs> if you stand your ground, uh, they won't come any closer. If you do that, they'll stop. Yeah. But you see these unfarmed people running across fields with cows chasing after them. Stand your ground. Now, standing in Ephesians 6 means cultivating in your mind certain things. And if we go literally from the top of your head to the, the end of your feet, 
First of all, you cultivate salvation, uh, the helmet of salvation. You think, you, you start by saying to yourself, I am saved. I was saved. I am being saved. I will be saved. Nothing can take me out of the hand of God. Jesus is my saviour. And you cultivate that truth in your mind. Secondly, faith. I can do all things by faith. It's not according to me. It's according to what Jesus has done. And you stand with your shield of faith. It's about righteousness. How dare the enemy come near me? How dare you, Satan, when I am a righteous son of God? I am in the right place. Truth, the truth will set you free. You have no power over me, Satan. You are a defeated foe, Satan. You will have your comeuppance, Satan. And incidentally, when I'm saying all this, don't talk to him. My advice would be don't talk to him. I've been in a lot of charismatic circles where people have spent half an hour resisting Satan. We stand against you, Satan. We resist your word. Why are you talking to him? He loves it. He loves attention. Just declare the truth of God. I thank you, Father, that the enemy has no power over me. I thank you, Father. Talk to Father about it. Lift your spirit with Father. Okay, there might be some occasions where you feel you want to talk to him, but don't make a meal out of it. Just do something like Jesus did. In Jesus' name, I tell you no more. In Jesus' name, be God. And the gospel that brings peace. You know, when the enemy comes, remind yourself what you're here for. You're here to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ah, oh, that it is finished. That the work is finished. That there's a kingdom to be built. There's a future to be won. It's good news. Cultivate the good news in your heart. Better to light the candle than curse the darkness. It's better to light the candle. So when the enemy comes, you stand your ground in salvation, in faith, in righteousness, in truth, in the gospel that brings peace. You stand your ground and secondly, you declare. That's what the sword of the Spirit is for. Let's just remind ourselves of how Jesus did it. If I turn back to Matthew chapter 4, where Jesus is confronted by Satan. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Do you notice uh, Jesus was led by the Spirit to meet the devil? He might do that with you. The devil's not going to suddenly appear at your door and then God says, oh, uh, Ronnie, I'm really sorry about that. I just, I wasn't, I wasn't watching. I, I was actually busy. I've had a lot of trouble with Petya this week and I was dealing with her and I didn't notice that Satan was actually knocking on your door. No, no, no. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. 
After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Wow. I know people that can't fast for a day. Because they get hungry. Can I just tell you that's what fasting's about? Maybe you didn't realise that. You get really hungry. And you think, if I don't eat something, I'm going to die. And that's why you have to fast, because it's a lie. You won't die. You'll just be very hungry. And if you keep thinking about these chocolate digesters, you'll just get hungrier. He was hungry. The tempter came and said to him, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus said, it's written. It's written. Man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He's declaring. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, uh, throw yourself down. For it is written, <laughs> so Satan thinks, if Jesus can use the word of God, maybe I could use the word of God too. Jesus answered him, it's also written, don't put the Lord your God to the test. So the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the earth. I will give you all of this if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it's written. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now, what that says to me is this. The, the more you know of the word of God, the more you'll be able to declare it. The more you'll be able to speak it out. If you memorize it, you, you memorize it in two ways. Either you read the Bible all the time so that it gradually gets into your head or you deliberately Say, I'm going to memorise that. Romans 10 and 9. If, if you confess with your lips that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's a good one for salvation. Memorised. So how can we resist the destroyer? We stand in our faith. We declare you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. There's a good scripture to declare, 1 John 4, 4. Uh, Revelation 12, they triumphed over him. That's the dragon, that's Satan, that's the devil. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. They didn't love their lives so much as to shrink from death. So it's about believing in our hearts. Salvation, faith, righteousness, the gospel truth. It's about confessing with our lips, speaking out the word of God. So that if the devil does come to us, we resist him and he flees. But for these poor people who don't know God, they're entirely and totally vulnerable. They're in a bad place. If you go to verse 20, to finish with, 
Well, first of all, if you go to verse 18, a third of mankind was killed by the three plagues of fire, smoke and sulfur that came out of their God. There is a spiritual death at work. But in verse 20, the rest of mankind that were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. They didn't stop worshipping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and worship, and wood. I think it was C.K. Chesterton that said, when, Steve, when people stop believing in God, they don't worship nothing. They worship anything. And that's very true. Nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. See, they're, they're outside of, of grace at this point in time. They're under the influence of the powers of darkness. And we need to do everything in our power, not just to resist Satan in our lives, but to resist Satan in the lives of others, to minister to them in the power of the kingdom, whatever way we can, speaking out words of truth and life and freedom to them, ministering to them in Jesus' name in order that they might be set free and, and likewise sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. Shall we pray? Shall we pray? 